chapter 27. We'll be in Proverbs 27 tonight. And um, I did remember to get this on tonight, Brother Philip. So we are good over here, I think. I want to talk to you tonight about uh, the biblical, what is biblical friendship? A little bit of a different subject in some ways, but what is biblical friendship? Uh, we, we have people who we call our friends, uh, but uh, biblically there is, a, uh, th there is that which is defined for us of what friendship should be when, uh, when it is based upon the Word of God. Uh, you know, the people we call friends are often the people that we share the most things with. Uh, sometimes it's that individual even that uh, we haven't seen in the longest time, but it's as though we've, uh, you know, just talked to each other the other day and we could just pick right up where we left off. Uh, but what is biblical friendship? In Proverbs 27, we find Solomon, a man of, of much wisdom, talking uh, and emphasizing through the book of Proverbs on this matter of wisdom, but he kind of parks on a subject and uh, shares many different points and principles concerning the, the matter of biblical friendship. And tonight we'll look at that together. Look, let's look together at Proverbs 27 and verse number 5. Word of God says, Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The full soul loatheth an honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so that the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not, neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity, for better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. My son, be wise, and make my heart glad, that I may re answer him that reproacheth me. We're in verse 12, Proverbs 27. The word of God says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil, and hideth himself, but the simple pass on, and are punished. Take his garment that is surety for a stranger, and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. A continual dropping in a very rainy day in a count, uh, contentious woman are alike. Whosoever hideth her hideth the wind, and the ointment of his right hand which berayeth itself. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Gracious Father, we ask that you give us understanding tonight of your word. Uh, Lord, as, you've, uh, as you led Solomon to write these words, Lord, may they uh, challenge us, encourage us, and uh, give us a biblical thinking tonight. Lord, we ask and pray all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come to an interesting verse, uh, verse 5 and 6. Open rebuke is better than secret love. We ask the question, what is biblical friendship? I say to you, first of all, uh, that uh, biblical friendship, in, it, it speaks concerning uh, the wounds. The wounds. Notice with me, the wounds of friendship. The wounds of friendship. Uh, we don't think of a friend as somebody who hurts us. Uh, but the Bible speaks of a true friend, a biblical friend, as one who is uh, not willing, not allowing us to fall into sin. They're that individual that is uh, forward enough to tell us what they know that we need to hear. Even when our response may not be uh, what it should be. Even when they know that we don't want to hear it. Uh, but they are telling us what, they, what we know uh, that we need to hear. You understand, uh, as Scripture continues in verse 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. 
That rebuke in verse 5 is speaking of the, the faithful friend in verse 6. A, one, a friend is someone who's faithfully rebuking. Uh, they, are the, they are the person that will tell us what they know that we need to hear of that which is right. Those wounds of a friend. I wonder, do your closest friends wound you? It's an interesting way to put it, but Solomon writes it that way. Do your closest friends wound you? Uh, biblically, they should. If, if, your, if your friendship is biblical, you will be helping that uh, person to whom you call fre a friend or that person that is a friend to you will be telling you what you need to hear for the benefit, should I say, of your own Christian life. Uh, verse 17 really ties it all together, that iron sharpeneth iron, because it is that uh, which we should be doing for one another as believers. We are encouraging one another. We're uplifting, building one another up. But the Bible speaks of those wounds. You know, um, uh, th those are the very people that, uh, though we may not like to hear it when they tell us, uh, we look back at the times in which they gave us that uh, wound when they told us those things. Hey, you shouldn't do that. Hey, you need to stop doing this. Hey, I'm telling you, this is what you need to hear. You need th this is what you need for your life. It's those people that we look back at and say, wow, I'm really thankful for them in my life. They really helped me. Um, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I've never been a person who, uh, I, I have no problem being friendly to other people, but I've never been a person who I would say I have tons and tons of close friends that I reach out to. Some of the closest of friends I've found uh, from God working in my own heart are the people who just simply tell me what I need to hear. And uh, those are the type of people you, we, we as Christians should strive to be around. And on the flip side, those are the type of Christians we should strive to be to others. Um, Christian, whether you're older or younger in your Christian life, there, there is an appropriate time and place and way to say things, but there is a biblical way to reprove a brother and sister in Christ. The Bible tells us that there are the wounds of a friend. Uh, those wounds are brought uh, as a result of that which God speaks of in the matter of love. You realize that love is the greatest thing in all this world. In fact, um, uh, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, and now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, we think a lot on faith. We talked about faith these past few uh, months. We think a lot on hope, the hope which we have in God. But the Bible tells us the greatest of these is charity. You realize that God emphasis, emphasizes so much on love that he puts it on even a higher pedestal than even faith itself. What that means is, is, is if, we are to, if we are to be one uh, to, to obey the word of God, if we are to be one to live for God, to honor God through our lives, if we seek to uh, make love, charity, that is, a part of our life, it'll help us to obey God in all the other areas. One commentator described um, uh, th this matter of wounds of a friend, but rather love, is uh, a, the rule for fulfilling all rules. That is what love is. The rule for fulfilling all rules. Uh, you see, if you love God unconsciously, you will fulfill all the law. You take the Ten Commandments, for example. The Bible tells us that we're not to have any other God. Well, if you have a love relationship with God as you should, you won't have any other God before him. The Bible says not, don't make a graven image of God. Don't make God to be small. Don't put something of greater importance than him. But if you have a love relationship for God as you should, he'll already be in his rightful place. 
The Bible says don't take the name of God in vain, but if you have a love relationship with God as you should, you won't be using God's name in a way that would bring, uh, uh, that would bring dishonor to him. The Bible tells us to honor the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Uh, but if our love relationship with God is as it should, we will have absolutely no problem honoring the Sabbath day. We can go on and on. Those first four of the commandments speak concerning the role of, uh, of our relationship with God and, and ourselves. The fifth has to do with man and God, but those remaining five have to do simply with our relationship with man. And all of them could apply in the very same way. If love is there, then we can... Obey the Lord. It's that rule for fulfilling all rules. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, the word of God says, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. The one thing that the Christian can never fail with is to choose to have love, to choose to be a person of love. A person of love is willing to, to be a person who gives wounds to their friend. <laughs> I think that uh, can be the hardest thing uh, as a preacher, as a pastor, is sometimes you know that the very things that you have to tell someone are not the things they want to hear, but you know it's going to help them. Uh, that's that's the, the same goes for even a parent. Uh, a, a parent uh, loves their child. They, they don't want to have to maybe uh, tell or discipline them in the way that they should, but they know that that's what needs to be done in order for them to go in the, the proper direction that God intends for them to be. The Bible tells us open rebuke is better than secret love. Think about that for a moment. What is secret love? Well, we understand what love is. In fact, the Bible tells us God is love, that agape love, that sacrificial self-giving love. But what is that secret love? You think of someone, some of those in Scripture who we find who had what would be defined as a secret love. Nicodemus, the one who came to Jesus at night. How about Peter, the one who denied Christ three times, even when he said that he would not. And where did you find Jesus upon the crucifixion of Christ? Or where did you find Peter? He was warming his hands at the fire with, with the enemy. You think of Eli himself, one, a man who found it impossible to rebuke and to discipline his own children. And you read in 1 Samuel, in chapter 2, in verse 23 and 25, it, uh, Eli's called out for that very fact. And, and by the way, could I say to you, uh, parent, uh, don't, don't, don't allow the sin of your children to remain of a head knowledge in existence before your eyes and you do nothing about it. Amen? There's a proper way that a, that a parent is to discipline. I'm no perfect parent. I'm not telling you how to raise your own children. But I am telling you that you look at Eli, a man uh, who should have disciplined his children in much higher form than he did. The thing is, he knew about their sin, but he didn't do anything about it. He knew about the discipline that they needed, but he didn't do it. And boy, we live in such a, a society today where parents are becoming so shy to any form of discipline to their own children. Well, I don't want to hurt my child. Uh, well, the, the Bible tells us that open rebuke is better than secret love. There's, we're not talking about a shy wounds of a friend is what we're talking about. We take it a step further, more than a friend, you're the parent, right? But the Bible tells us these examples of secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. The opposite of one who has secret love is, could, could be defined as someone like Nathan, Nathan the prophet, who stood before David after his sin with Bathsheba, stood before the king himself, and so boldly said, thou art the man. You've committed the sin. And, and, and boy, 
I'm talking to the Sunday night crowd, the church choir, so to speak, the faithful group. There, there is a proper place for you as God's people uh, to rebuke a brother and sister in Christ. There's a proper place and way to do that. But it is biblical, the Bible tells us. Sometimes when you know that it's something that an individual needs to be told, when it's done in love, you've done it biblically. Amen? I, I know uh, there was a man, and he's still there in my, in my, the, my home church, at Knobs Baptist Church, and, uh, um, you know, when, you get, when you're young, you sit with your parents, and when you get to be, you know, junior high, teenager, you're too good to sit with your parents. That's how it was for me, okay? And so I won't sit on this side with mom and dad. I will sit on the other side, you know? And, uh, but uh, there is this man, uh, Art uh, Murphy is his name, and Art's a, a taller than me, you know, he's just a good six, maybe six four man, he always wore cowboy boots, you know, and, and uh, he always showed an interest, a, de a level of interest in me, um, but uh, he had no problem slapping me around if I needed it, and so I can remember times where I would sit in front of him, or even just a few rows in front of him, and he would pull me inside and say, Stephen, you know how to sit in church. Why are you squirming around left and right? He said, you're a distraction to me, just trying to listen. <laughs> he said, you need to sit up straight in church. That was, the, that was the wounds of a friend. You think as a junior high teenage boy, I liked hearing that. What, what kind of man are you telling me what to do? You're not my father. But I tell you, even for the Christian, receiving sometimes some open rebuke, it's not always received well. But the wounds of a friend, what great benefit they can bring to the Christian uh, so, so that we keep our heart in tune with Christ. And so uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Uh, the, the, there's, there is the love which we are to have, there's a secret love, a shy, a bashful love, which we can have. And, and, and by the way, uh, we are to be bold for the sake of Christ and obedience to him. Even in our love relationship with him, we, there shouldn't be um, a secret love. We're not trying to hide our, our relationship with God. Uh, that should be made clear. Uh, but when we consider the kisses of an enemy, which are deceitful, uh, you know, that, that individual, those people in life who... Uh, they're, really, they're, they're, they're backstabbing you behind your own back. Uh, take, for example, Judas. How could we not, right? The literal kisses of, uh, the deceitful kisses of a man who had already sold Jesus out himself. Uh, it was Ahithophel who claimed to be David's friend, but all the while he was the one who behind the scenes was strengthening, strengthening Absalom and uh, uh, working to turn Absalom against David himself. Uh, be careful who you choose to be your friends. I'm not talking to, to young people tonight. I realize we tell young people that often. But be careful who you make your closest friends. Are, are they, are there, is there deceit in the kisses or are there wounds that come as a result of it? The wounds are a good sign. The wounds are a good sign. Hey, can, can, can somebody give us wounds that are of no benefit and, and spiritual growth? Absolutely. People can hurt us. People, people uh, can do things that uh, really aren't worthy even of forgiveness. But the wounds of a, of a godly Christian friend, that's what we're talking about tonight. Are you that kind of individual? Am I that kind of individual? Do we seek to be around those kinds of people that tell us what we need to hear? Um, you know, I, we have, I think it's fair to say, at, at least 50% of our church is second, third generation uh, couples, uh, husbands, wives, men, women, uh, don't, don't take lightly the relationship that you can have with the older generation. In fact, choose to be around them. 
let them talk with you. So you may have heard the two, the, that story three or four times, but I, every time I even let myself listen to someone talk to me, boy, there's so much to gain. You know, an older individual has no problem saying, hey, you know what, when you get to this point in your life, you don't do this. There, there's some good in that. There's much good in that because they've been there. <laughs> they're, they're trying to help you. Uh, don't just look past it. Don't avoid it. Don't ignore it. Uh, there's, there's value in good Christian friends. We've said that the last couple weeks, we said it this morning, uh, the, the Christian life is a one another life. Amen. Let others be a part of your life Amen. to help you to grow. Uh, let, their, let them give you that, uh, th that, those faithful wounds, those necessary, that necessary instruction to help you to grow. Um, so, there, there is, in biblical friendship, the wounds of friendship. But understand there's also the value in friendship. The Bible tells us of the value in friendship. In verse 9, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so that the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. We're talking about counsel that comes from the heart, which carries a fragrance of its own. It's a genuine fragrance. So in the value of friendship, understand that a friend, a true friend, gives hearty counsel. They give hearty counsel. They are, they are a pleasant person to be around because as a result of being with them, they are helping you to draw closer to Christ. You know that that which they're sharing with you is more than just, you know, past stories, past experiences. But no, they're truly helping you to grow in your Christian life. That's biblical friendship. Amen. Hearty counsel. Uh, notice with me also that a friend gives hearty counsel, but a friend is a neighbor that is near. Look at verse 10, the phrase that is used. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. Neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Help us to understand this verse even more. We'll come back to Proverbs. Luke chapter 10. A neighbor that is near. Uh, we all have family. In fact, in many ways, in a, in a church like ours, we are all family. <laughs> we're all related some way. We're all connected in, in some way. If we're not related by blood, we have known each other for so long, we may as well be family. We've learned the faults and the, uh, and the, the failures of individuals just for the sake of being around them. Uh, but uh, look at Luke chapter 10. The Bible tells us in verse 30, and Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Those are the wounds that are not of a friend, by the way, okay? Uh, verse 31. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him, verse 34, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto them, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest, uh, when I go again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? Notice the Bible talks about, and Jesus speaks of, the one who was neighbor unto him. You know who often we try to make the closest of our friends are the people, or the people that we share anything with, or the people that we will only receive counsel from? It's our parents, it's our relatives, it's the people that are, are literally the closest to us. 
Well, the Bible talks about that, that neighbor that is near. That person who has no relation to us. That person who has really not all that much connection to us. But those are the people that the Bible describes uh, as uh, fulfilling the role of a biblical friend. In other words, when we understand the value of friendship, we're, we are not so blocking ourselves off from certain people. We're open to the idea that, hey, my literal neighbor next door can be that friend that is near. Hey, you can actually be that friend that is near. <laughs> may God help us to be that person. That person, though we may not know the others who, to whom are around us, yet we are seeking to be a friend to them. man that hath friends must show himself friendly. We are going out of our way. The Bible tells us that, uh, as Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. We are making the first move. So the Word of God tells us that a friend is a neighbor that is near. Aren't you thankful that, for, that Jesus is that neighbor that is near? Amen. <laughs> He's always near. We don't have to ask for him to be near. God is always there. Uh, we, we, uh, whether our relationship with God is one that's continually increasing or it's one that's decreasing, yet God is always that neighbor that is near. What a perfect example of friendship. Amen. Uh, may I remind you that friendship in itself is a gift from God. God created friendship. It's a beautiful thing. It, it was, it, so there is value within it. Don't seclude yourself, your family, uh, the people, to, to only the people that you know. But be open to the very fact that God could use someone in your life to be that friend that is near. And maybe you as a result can be a minister to them just the same. Maybe, again, it is you who is to be that friend that is near. But God tells us that a friend gives hearty counsel, verse 9. A friend is a neighbor that is near, verse 10. And the Bible tells us a friend sharpens and or strengthens and encourages our Christian walk. Verse 17, iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. They're always trying to sharpen us. Because in the Christian life, as you get into that spiritual warfare, uh, if we're not careful, and truthfully, whether careful or not, we just start to get a little bit dull. In fact, the Christian life can get a little bit dull. You talk with a good Christian friend, they help to sharpen us, right? They help to give us our edge back. They help to give us our, our vision back for God. You want, you're looking for biblical friendship. Uh, be open to hearty counsel. Be open to whom God could bring your way, that friend that is near. Uh, let yourself be sharpened by other people, and you be that individual just the same. There's value in friendship. The Bible tells us the finding of friendship, the finding of friendship. In verse number 7, the full soul loatheth uh, and honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. I'm going to read that verse again, maybe a little bit harder to understand at first. The Bible says, The full soul loatheth an honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. There's much connection in verse 7, as, as there also is in verse 10, that openness to friendship. It's so easy to simply hunger and desire and thirst for the honeycomb for those individuals. Well, they're just sweet people to be around. Yeah, but are they helping you to grow in your Christian life? You say, well, their sweetness does that. Well, are they sharpening you? Do they wound you when you need to be wounded? <laughs> that, that's the biblical friendship we're talking about. Those are the people we should be seeking to be around. We're, we're making an effort to be around. 
So the Bible tells us, the full soul loatheth in a honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every better thing is sweet. Uh, we're, we're willing, in other words, um, we're talking about a hunger for friendship uh, that will eat anything, so to speak. <laughs> that will befriend anyone that God would bring our way. We're choosing to be that friend. The, the hungry soul says, hey, I don't know that they ever could be my friend, but I'm going to believe that I can be a friend to them or they could be a friend to me. We can so cookie cut our friendships that I'm not going to get so close to that individual. We don't really have a lot in common. Uh, there's not really a lot that, that I can see myself hitting off with them. That's where scripture talks about there is that which we pursue, that which we in our minds say, that's sweet, that's what I want to be around. But the one who hungers, as God speaks of in Scripture, is the one who would look at this matter of friendship and say, you know what, whoever God brings my way, I'm going to be friend too. I'm going to seek to, I'm going to, uh, seek to allow them to be a friend to me, just the same. Amen? The finding of friendship. Be open to that friendship, but guard against unhealthy friendship. In verse 8, the Bible says, As a bird that wandereth from her nest... So as a man that wandereth from his place. The context, as we've read, has been and is of friendship. And of course, all through this passage, we find him jumping kind of from different principles of things. And I've tried to help to categorize it for you. That he mentions this matter of finding a friendship, the type of friends that we choose. In verse 8, he says, A bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. You see, deep friendships are formed in the nest. Uh, many wander, well, many wander rather from friendship uh, with others as well as God. I understand this, that um, we all, especially as younger people, we have this within us that I need to go away from home, I need to go out of the nest, uh, I need to go out on my own. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that pursuit, but don't so run away from all and everything where you have grown in Christ. Amen? Uh, some Christians run from their home church. They run from their parents. They run from all the people who have invested in their lives. And there's no value. <laughs> there's, no, uh, there's no benefit to their Christian life in doing so. The Bible tells us that as a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Don't be a wanderer. Some people wander from God. Uh, they, they wander so far, they're jumping here and there, and we live in such a go, go, go society. People are changing jobs, they're, they're moving different places, they're, they're constantly shifting and uprooting their family and uprooting their lives. They're never settling down to just grow in Christ. And truthfully, when we use those words, settling down, it's more than just an idea of retirement. It's more than just an idea of taking it easy. But in the biblical mindset, now I am choosing to let myself be further grounded in my Christian life, to grow. There's an importance in staying and, and growing within the nest, so to speak. And the value and, and the desire within a young person to go back home and be home should go all the way back to, I am wanting to see those people that help me to grow spiritually. And uh, we have those people in our own family, those people that we know. We, we have and, and see uh, maybe home at another distance always as that way I'm going home because this is where my old stomping grounds this is where it all took place uh, there's value in that which is at home value in that which is in the nest because that is where God helped raise you to be who you are today and so don't, don't think lightly of those things 
So the Bible says, be open to friendship, guard against those unhealthy friendships. Look at verse 11. My son, be wise and make my heart glad, that I may answer him that reproacheth me. A prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. Take his garment that is uh, surety for a stranger and take a pledge for, uh, of him for a strange woman. He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. Kind of back up here a little bit. The Bible says, verse 14, he that blesseth his friend with a loud voice. You ever have those people in life that they, they just, they, they are, uh, they always are complimenting you and uh, that uh, they're always telling you good, but there's nothing to do with spiritually. They're just complimenting everything of who you are. In other words, it's flattering. The only reason why I want to be around them is because I'm flattered by what they're telling me of who I am. There's no biblical mindset and friendship behind it. It's simply, they're just telling me what I want to hear, and I'm keeping going in my Christian life as a result of that flattery, and not for the wounds of a friend. The Bible tells us the individual who speaks with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it could become a curse to us. There's no benefit that comes as a result of it. Uh, don't let the compliments of one person uh, get to your head uh, in considering friendship. Just because one person is, is one who you're flattered by those compliments, whether genuine or not, uh, that, that, that uh, in the end can make your head bigger than it really can help benefit you in your Christian life. And uh, Christian, you're the, you're the one who's seeking to be the friend uh, to help to sharpen others in Christ. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, you did a great job. Amen? In fact, there should be times in which you are. Sometimes we can be so quick to tell all the things that somebody didn't do, and we forget to tell them the things that they are doing well. So in the midst of that, though, if somebody's telling you you're doing something well, don't get a big head about it, okay? It doesn't mean that uh, uh, you've, you've exceeded some great point in life. And I believe that's much of what Solomon is speaking of here, uh, that, that flattery that one can that one can dwell only upon in the matter of friendship. We're just simply being a friend to this individual because we're getting everything we want out of them. Unfortunately, some people uh, can so view friendship in such a way that they are befriending an individual because they are literally, physically getting things out of them. That person's giving them things continually. And it's just it's causing them uh, to have a completely different mindset for friendship, uh, let alone pursuing the right kind of friendship. Those who take advantage in the sense of uh, they're, they're giving gifts. Maybe in some cases they're giving money, they're giving time. And there's, there's no intent for us to be a biblical friend to them. We're just simply, should we say, siphoning off the good, taking advantage of the good. And in, in return, yes, it's not helping us uh, uh, in our relationship with them, but it's also causing us to really get a big head about who we are and what we can do. So there's the flattery. Don't be, a, don't be the individual who just simply flatters, okay? There's a right time to compliment. There's a right time to encourage. Uh, there's a right time to rebuke. And so, uh, in a place for that, just the same. In verse 16, the Bible says, a continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whosoever hideth her, hideth the wind. There's comparison that's being made. A, a, a contentious woman in, a, in a, um, uh, a very rainy day, you might as well try to restrain the wind, is what he's saying. If you're, if you're trying to um, 
keep a friendship or begin a friendship on, uh, uh, by uh, holding something down that's not bringing any benefit to you, you're, you're, you're just you're grabbing at nothing. Okay, he's speaking as a result of the previous verses, verse 15 and verse 14. Uh, that flattery, you're, you're, you're just grabbing the wind. It's, it's just vain in what you're doing. There's no value, eternal value in those things. And so we come back full circle to verse 5. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Are you a person that can receive rebuke? Are you a person that's giving rebuke? That faithful faithful rebuker, <laughs> the faithful wounds of a friend. Uh, God help us that we aren't that individual uh, that is get, bringing and giving kisses of deceit. <laughs> that where we're saying one thing of an, an individual, yet we're seeing the other behind their back. That's not biblical friendship. The Bible tells us of that ointment and perfume, verse 9, rejoice the heart. There's an aroma, there's a smell, there's a fragrance that that comes as a result of biblical friendship. Do we carry that aroma? Are we a pleasant person to be around? You say, well, I can't be that type of person. I'm not, that's not in my personality. Well, ask God to help you. Amen? There's biblical value in friendship. Don't seclude your family. Don't seclude yourself away from the people of God, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't be that person in God's house that you're just sitting in the corner, sitting in your pew, sitting by yourself. You don't talk to anybody. When someone tries to talk to you, you just kind of push them away. Don't, don't, you, you'll never grow in your Christian life. You'll never let the value of Christian friendship be a part of your life in that way. Um, people that genuinely show an interest for the sake of praying for you or being there together with you is, uh, um, and going through the journey with you, there, there's value in that. No one says you have to go and tell them all your life story and tell them all the, the personal things of your life. But there is value in that friendship. Can I, can I back up for a moment? The, val the value in praying for others. Friends pray for one another. You know why we take prayer requests? is so that we can go through the journey together. We're going the journey of the Christian life together. The, because of friendship, the Bible tells us. We're, we're praying for one another, with one another. Again, you don't have to tell everyone everyone. You may, you may be a, a, a personal person, but be a person who shares things with others. A person can never be a friend to you if you don't allow, uh, if you don't open yourself up to them. There are some people who shut themselves off from everyone. Then there's the individual. You don't have to ask about them. They'll tell you everything that you want to know and, and more, you know. And uh, be, be open to friendship is the point. Be open to it. Uh, sometimes in our culture, uh, the very culture of America, we can be um, a little bit closed off from certain people. One thing I truly believe you can see in, in especially people from foreign countries that come into America, they come with such an open-mindedness. They want to befriend everyone, and they're very open about who they are. Uh, I think there's something that can be learned from that. Uh, don't be an individual that just closes everything off from all parts of your life. Hey, God, God gives you a pastor. God gives you a brothers and sisters in Christ. God gives the church deacons. God gives Sunday school teachers. God gives uh, men and women in our life, godly people, so that they can and we can go through the journey of the Christian life together. Not that, we don't have to journey through it alone. Uh, be, be a person uh, who is willing to share some of your life. And uh, again, it doesn't have to be all of it. But there's, a, there's an aroma there's an ointment or there's a smell 
There is a pleasantness that comes from an individual who is friendly. The Bible tells us that iron sharpeneth iron. Uh, are, are you sharpening others? Sometimes um, in the Christian life, you know, it just seems like we're just, you know, just kind of hitting a hard place all the time. Iron sharpeneth iron. Get around God's people. Get around people who care about you. People who want you to grow. Let them encourage you. Let, uh, talk to them and let them talk to you. Uh, friendship is more, more than just one-sided. <laughs> I remember having somebody once tell me, uh, and uh, I, just, I just was enjoying talking, but I, just, I was talking so much, I, wouldn't, I wasn't ever giving them a chance to speak themselves. And he said, you know what, I don't mean this in the rude way, but he said, I'm just going to tell you, if, if you, when you talk with people, you've got to give them an opportunity to talk with you too. It's not just one-sided. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the friendship goes both ways. And uh, there is some truth in that. And so, biblical friendship, that should be the pursuit of the Christian. Uh, I believe that if God's people in God's house are where they should be in their Christian life, you should have no problem finding those types of people in the house of God. But don't rush yourself out after a service. Fellowship together with other believers. Pray together with them. Embrace the people that God places within your life. Uh, you may not call this your nest, your home, so to speak, uh, but let it be. Root yourself, ground yourself a little bit, and uh, let yourself grow in that way. Uh, there's so many things um, that, that, that a speaker, that a preacher, that an evangelist could preach behind the pulpit and give to you, but in many ways, there's much, much more that God's people in the congregation can give to you as, and that can help you to grow in your Christian life. Uh, and all that being said, it doesn't matter where you go, you have to have discernment when it comes to friendship. Be sure that the people that you are seeking to be close friends with, that you are sharing your life with about, the people that, uh, you are, um, uh, that, that you are seeking to spend time with are people that are actually helping you to grow. The Bible talks about that prudent man. That's what we're talking about here. The individual that, yes, we know what God, who God intends for us to be around, but we're also discerning the type of people that we shouldn't be around in our Christian life. So may God help us to be biblical friends. Amen? And may we pursue biblical friendship. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for the gift of friendship. We thank you that you are...